Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Zabecast Empire or on WJFK Saturday mornings. Thank you, thank you for listening. John Rodas joins us now from Florida. Yeah, and his lovely wife's Laura's birthday to record today's show. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. To you, I'm spectacular. Getting a little bit of sun down here. It's nice. It does. You do look like you got some. I got love. I got nice. love something. That's nice. Are you playing any golf though? That's the. Question. I can't yet. No, I tried to actually. Oh, get that's right. Because yeah, today and yeah, you're, uh, you're still on the road to recovery. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So try to hit. Okay. A well, well, well. Here we are. Bifurcation <sighs> has come. The USGA, in conjunction with the Royal and Ancient, have proposed a rollback of the golf ball for so-called elite competitions, whatever that means, that would effectively trim the upper range of swing speeds 120 miles and above. Now, the average PGA Tour swing speed average uh, at the tour level, is 114 miles per hour with the driver, which is really moving it. There are some guys, though, that can swing it in control upwards of 120 or more, and that's where these gains are coming from. One could argue this is not going to affect very many people. But one could also argue, so what are we doing this for? Give me your first blush thoughts as to where you stand, John Ronas, on bifurcation with the golf ball. Dead against it. Thank you. Dead against God it. God bless you. Dead against it. I have been battling some of my golf nerds on this, and they're like, nope, makes sense. And I bring up point A, and they brush it off. And I bring up supporting point B, and they dismiss it. And then I bring up ironclad logic C, and they look at me funny like a dog that doesn't understand. And then they just change the subject. Yeah. So let's talk about all the reasons why this is a bad idea that you and I agree on. My first question is, and I liken this to a a cop that shows up on the scene of a crime, and he says, the cop usually says, okay, what's the problem here? Can you tell me what they think the problem is in 10 seconds or less? They think that the golf courses are being overwhelmed by distance. Right. That's the problem. Okay, right. the I mean, is, simple as that. Oh my God, the golf courses are not playing like they once did. Now, heaven forfend, what shall we do? Okay, just like is everything, that, right? But just like everything else in this world, it can't be that, right? So now we have to say, well, it's because we have to lengthen golf courses. It requires more water and more fertilizer and more upkeep and more money and you know, we can't keep up with this and blah, blah, blah. So they have to hide it under some reason that they're doing this. The a, fact a is, guys, a, yeah, a they feel, in other words, yeah, they feel that these guys are hitting it too far because they couldn't do it. So they're just jealous. And the fact is, there's so many layers to this. Like I was, I'm so, so very upset 
about this because as a PGA professional, like I'm kind of, I'm not on both sides of the fence. I don't play, you know, for a living. But the fact is when I go to sell a Titleist golf ball, I'm selling the same exact golf ball that Justin Thomas is playing. And don't give me the crap about the wooden bats and all the other stuff. This is something that this needs to stay. And we need to see the circus act, or as you saw, and I went the other day to the zoo and I was thinking about you the whole time, like the zoo animals, you're absolutely right. These are the circus freaks that have the ability to hit it 320 yards. And we're going to take that away. That's like taking stripes off a zebra. Now it's just a horse. We don't want to see that. I mean, this is something that's so stupid. Stay (laughs) out of it. It's a shame. Let's tackle this whole argument about, well, they're having to spend money to build new tee boxes and all the cost to water and irrigate. Like, have they added new tee boxes at River Creek in the last 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, they have. Where? Behind the back ones? Forward. 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 (laughs) So they've added them, but they've added them forward to accommodate more people coming into the game. Has it ruined the economics of River Creek as a viable going concern because there's a few extra tee boxes that need to be watered? And how many courses have you played where you looked back and they're like, yeah, that's where they played at the tour site? You're like, oh, wow. I'm never going to see that tee. You know, it's only used every once in a while. It's just not... We're not that that caliber. If they didn't put the tees forward, build some new tees forward, it would have hurt the economics of the game. But back, no. no. So no. nobody's building it to build them longer. Nobody is building new courses. Like the other sort of hobgoblin of the bifurcation group is that they'll have to start building courses 8,000 yards long. There is no such course in the country. Nobody's even building courses, basically, right now. Right. It's gone into a, a kind of a dormant period. Courses are closing. We're losing courses, aren't we? A little bit year sure. over year. Or at sure. least it's flat in the last 10 years from what I've read. Okay. So these things are non-factors. All right. Now let's talk about, well, these classic courses are being made obsolete. And they point to the 13th tee at Augusta. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that. First of all, you didn't have to build it. It could have remained a par four and a half like it has been. Or it a par four. Or you could turn it into a par right. four. Right. Right. Good. What does it matter? Like, what is, what, what is the big deal? So is 14 under par? Here we go, Zave. I'm sorry. You're going to have That's to look all right. at 1D here. Don't but worry. Are we looking at 14 under par is unacceptable? No, it's it's acceptable. Is 18 under par? Why is that unacceptable? That's what they're getting at, like that we have to shoot even par. These guys have to shoot even par everywhere. They don't. They don't. It's just something that it's their warped sense that golf has to be really hard. Well, for these guys, it doesn't have to be as hard. And the distance aspect, plus, they've really tested. They've shown the distance added to golf courses almost adds nothing to the score. Right. Uh, The next course people have been caterwauling about is St. Andrews. Oh my God, do you ever want to have an open at St. Andrews? Well, they had one last year and the winning score was 20 under. Yep. And I say, so what? It was thrilling as can be with Cam Young or Cam Smith 
holding off Rory McIlroy down the stretch with Cam Young right there in the mix. Right. What's the problem? The the old course is a relic. It is Grandma's tea cabinet from 1902. Okay. Yeah. It's not gonna play like a Ferrari for God's sakes. If you want to hold a competition on an antique course, you can do it. The price of it is slightly higher scores. Now, there's another argument, which is, well, they were driving the greens on six of the holes, and so therefore the rounds took six hours. Okay, well, there's ways to combat that as well. Sometimes it depends on the wind. I just don't see it as worthy of tearing the fabric of the game apart just because of one venue, as beloved as the old course may be. I mean, mm -hmm. Prestwick used to be in the rotation. It's out because it's tiny and quirky and weird. Yeah. So be it. Okay, let's well, get so to the next So their mindset is the only thing that makes a good golf course is length. Yeah, so let's get to the next argument. And that would be it takes away the skill required to play the game. That just by having it be a bomber's paradise with the golf ball flying a million miles, it doesn't require as much skill. Mm -hmm. To which I laugh and I say, are you telling me that John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy are unskilled in the finesse shots, in the creativity, in the up and downs? Hell, uh, Scheffler just holed out for his 10th time already on tour, and I believe he owes a big 10 grand bet to his caddy, Ted Scott, because Ted Scott said, I'll bet you you hole out 10 times this year. If you do, you owe me 10 grand. He's wow. already collected Great. that. So you're telling me Scotty Scheffler is not skilled. It's absurd. These right. guys are insanely skilled. Hitting a ball 320 yards in the air on the face, even with these toasters on sticks made of titanium, takes what, John Ronas? Skill. Thank you. Yeah. And and it's really hard to do at those speeds. And if the golf ball's coming off dead, then that's lower spin rate. That's lower everything. It's going to be easier to control. But even regardless of that, the fact is we love seeing it because we can't do it. Right. And if I'm playing a golf ball, let's say I'm one of those elite players who can hit it 280 yards, 290 yards. If I'm playing that golf ball, the, the, the real the, the manufactured golf ball, and I can still hit it 280 or, or 290 yards, and now they are playing a bifurcated ball or a sponge, and they can only hit it 280 yards, are we the same? No. no. We're playing on an eight-foot hoop. Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and Rory are still better than you. Correct. And they deserve <laughs> to be able to play with the same equipment so that we can – we deserve to be able to see them hit at 330 in the fairway. Bay Hill wasn't long. That course isn't that long. It's right. not 7,800 yards. Right. And it played really hard because – where the holes are set up, how the greens are designed, how the rough was. It was an overseeded ryegrass rough, how the firmness of the greens were. There's so many ways that you can make a golf course more difficult than adding length. And again, the tests have shown length really doesn't do it. It's higher rough and it's firmer greens. It's yeah. simple as that. That combination ruins golfers. Now, in theory, they say that this rollback would only really clip guys who are swinging it 120 and above so that it would be a way to kind of bring those guys, the freaks, back to the field. 
I'm not so sure, and this is where I'm, I'm going to enjoy talking to Buddy Christensen about this tomorrow. I'm not so sure that they can manufacture a ball that truly performs that way. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a ball engineer. I'm a little bit dubious of that. Yeah. But, but something tells me that if you dial the ball back, then Scotty Scheffler's driver 9-iron on a hole is some other guy's driver 7-iron. And you tell me, where is the evening of the, like, I'd still rather hit a 9-iron than a 7-iron. So in other words, yeah, you're something. never going to bring them together. The better players, stronger, more flexible, better technique, are going to hit it farther, whether the ball goes far or not so far. Yeah, it reminds me when, when I think it was Ping that said they had a one shaft. If you swung it fast, it was a stiff shaft. If you swung it slow, it was a regular shaft. Really? really? So, <laughs> you know, I know there is some sort of compression point where it reaches a core situation where it, it, it comes off faster, apparently, right. when you reach a certain speed. I don't know if I totally agree with that. That might almost be a little bit mythical. Um, I think you're just going to get a loss of yardage with every single player. And maybe the upper end player will lose 8% and the lower end player will lose 6%. But I just don't right. see it being one loses 10% and the other loses nothing. Right. It's just which, impossible. Which brings us now to what I call the unintended consequences part of this whole thing. The incidents that I can foresee coming of players in elite competitions, a regional qualifier for a USGA event, somehow getting in a ball that is non-conforming, that looks like a conforming ball and becoming a huge controversy, or worse yet, a fellow competitor accusing a guy who wins the qualifier of using an illegal ball, but he doesn't have proof. And how, what are you gonna do, cut it open? Mm -hmm. and then send it off to a lab, you yep. have opened up a huge Pandora's box of how are you going to police two sets of golf balls. Not to mention that you're asking the consumer to buy two sets of golf balls because those people who are playing back and forth between elite events and still playing in their club championship. I mean, you have people playing U.S. amateurs who are also playing in their club championship or also playing in a member guest. So they're going to go back and forth between these balls. Oh, you know what? I had those balls in there for my club championship last week, and I happened to pull it out. I'm sorry. You know, it's like I'm a rangefinder on slope. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's I, I forgot. I forgot because, you know, on this tournament, we're allowed to use a slope. So it's one of those things that I just don't, I, I don't it's, it's just so unnecessary to me. It's just so unnecessary. Yeah. And it's so, it's so much the bureaucracy is just like, we, oh, shoot, we have to get our voice heard. The USGA and the and the RNA, we have been set aside because of the live controversy. It's back. It's time for us again to be noticed. Just yeah, stay out of it. Right. Stay out of it. The Here's game is at the best level it's been at in right. 25 years. And you're going to just get up. <laughs> Which we're going to get to in a second, uh, that part of it. Um but the other complicating factor I see, or the other Pandora's box I think they're going to open is, let's say they do this ball rollback, and let's say they don't get the results that they were looking for, whatever results they were. Right. The temptation then to stick their fingers in and start doing other equipment bifurcation, driver head size, shafts, you name it, is going to be overwhelming. 
Correct. Pretty soon, the USGA and the RNA are going to be elbow deep in every piece of equipment and every spec, which will only multiply the chances for people to accuse their fellow golfer of cheating. This is not a win-win. The the, the first part of that sentence was when they achieve their goal. What is their goal? Well, Is is their goal for Scotty Scheffler not to win because he hits it 320 straight? (laughs) Or Rory? Like, right. what are you messing with here? Right. Do that's you, my, do you want that's Corey my... Pavin winning an event? <laughs> Does it's that just... mean he's more skilled because right. he's a plinker? Do you want to bring back Lee Jansen and Fred Funk and right. Tim Simpson? Are those your dream golfers to grow the game? Oh, my God. I always wanted to be Jeff Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to go out and see that athlete who's 5'7" and hits the ball 260. I just It's so exciting for me. No, no, it's not. It's good to see Dustin Johnson, an avatar, walking down the fairway, and you saying, I can never be like that guy. So now I want to watch him. Right. Absolutely. He's that zoo animal. If I can so, be like him, I'm going to go play instead yeah, of watch. Yeah. So the first question I asked to start this conversation was, like the cop that shows up at the scene says, Okay, what's the problem? Here's my closing question against this bifurcation nonsense. I I will in, invoke my game show voice. I don't know what the announcer's name is. Wink was. Martindale? Something like that. Okay, Wink, tell them what they've won. Right. Once you have dialed back the ball, what have you won? Are television numbers increasing? Are people who participate at the grassroots level increasing? Is the game getting cheaper? Are you using less money to water the courses? Don't say yes, because you know that's a lie. It all depends on weather and everything else. Are you inspiring the next generation to become Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler? No. Are you getting more airtime on ESPN with your highlights? No. So what are we going to win? Right. Where's our pot of gold of this stupid venture? I will tell you this. As many times as someone may stand there and say that they want parity in non-team sports. They so don't want parity. Non-team sports. People so golf, say they tennis, want parity. They it, don't really many, want it. They None of them want it. No. They, they want, want excellent. Superstars. People want dynasties. They totally. Want, they want people to – they want Jordan – in his prime, they want Tiger in his prime. Yep. They want the Lakers, the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> so and you know why they really want dynasties? There's two reasons. They want to say that they were part of seeing that dynasty, but they also want to see when the dynasty falls. Well, they also want to see people try to climb up to challenge it. They want to yep. see the leader, the exceptional athlete or team, elevate everybody else in pursuit. Yeah. Yeah, so so their end game is, in reality, something they don't want. They just don't realize it because they're just too dumb. (laughs) So that brings me then to this question. Are they going to get away with it? Well, there's one person who could stand up if he's still there. And there's one person who could stand up and put a stop to this immediately. And that's Jay Monahan come out and say, on the PGA Tour, we're not using this ball. Now, there's precedent to that because in the early days of the um, Open Championship, as well as the uh, senior, t- uh, not senior tour, the uh, European tour, they used a Robin Hood golf ball. 
It was a was different that? golf ball. It was a smaller was that, golf ball. The, oh, yeah, the old British ball. Yeah. The 1.62 so diameter versus the 1.78 or whatever it was. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes when our guys would go over there and play in the Open Championship, they would play that ball because it, it was it was an easier ball to play. Well, it cut through the wind better. Yeah. So that was something that, uh, you know, it was give and take to that ball, but that was something that there is some precedent for that. The PGA Tour could come out and say, you can do whatever you want, USGA and RNA. And by the way, it's just the U.S. Open. Right. And the Open Championship the British, once you yeah. get to the professional level. Right. Um, but we're not doing it. Yeah. And, and then it would be really up to the Masters. And yeah. I think the Masters should go with the PGA Tour if the PGA Tour were to stand up and say that. Yeah. Or is all it, it would take is the, the, the players to boycott those tournaments one year. Well, I mean, there's probably going to be lawsuits if it goes forward. There's what? Huge seven, lawsuits. There's like seven months of comment and review period before they actually try to enact it. They're going to... They're going to take comments, and they're supposedly going to take all this in. And if enacted, I think they're going to have a couple-year grace period on this. 26 uh, is when yeah. they said it's going to go in. And frankly, the the manufacturers have so much money in this that really they could outduel money-wise the USGA and RNA and lawyers and 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 destroy them. Yeah. In the lawsuits. Well, and they should, they should all come together. It should be a class action lawsuit. Yeah. And they should destroy the USGA. Well, that'll be interesting. So I'm already thinking now, here's something else that I just that just dawned on me. Remember when all the rage was people found out that this Kirkland golf ball at Costco was a great golf ball for half the price yeah. of Pro B1s? And people started scooping it up and they were sold out all over the place. And yeah. it turns out that basically this factory over in China had a surplus of the tailor-made Pro V. Or the TaylorMade uh, Titleist. I think it was the TaylorMade ball. Oh, was it? Okay. I think I think TaylorMade put in a huge order for balls, and so they made a bunch of them, but didn't stamp them yet, right? So they're just plain white pearls. Yeah. And then TaylorMade said, "Oh, you know what? We're going to cancel a huge chunk of that order." And so this, oh. so this factory in, in in either Korea or China that was making them, they're like, "Well, what do we do?" And they said, "You know what?" Let's get rid of all of them at once with one phone call. So they called Costco. And so Costco, Costco said, yes, yeah, stamp them Kirkland. We'll sell them for half the price. Yeah. And so enterprising golf nerds put them on launch monitors and said, wow, these things perform and spin and fly as good as a Pro V1. This is the best wow. deal in golf. Wow. And it was then that lawsuits came in because TaylorMade was like, hey, hey, we didn't say you could sell those balls to Costco. And the, and the factory's like, well, look, you canceled the order. What are we supposed to do? You know, right. We right. had to sell them. Well, if that is possible in the world of golf and that happened, some of the details may be a little bit incorrect. I welcome corrections on that, but that's yeah. the basic shape of it. Yep. Then what is to stop somebody from popping up a website of a supposed conforming bifurcated ball that really is not. Counterfeit. Counterfeit golf balls. Counterfeit. Now, totally. <laughs> totally. You, so we're as, testing every ball. You know, you hit in the... Right. And, and look, we're not, we're not... We don't have, you know, elite events. What is an elite event? Is, do, is my club championship an elite event? Um, we're we're going to control it like it's an elite event. Oh, am I going to check every golf ball? No. I don't know. Am I going to know what a fake, 
you know, it's like a Rolex, you know, some of them look pretty damn good. Sure. But sure. someone's going to come up with that in a, in a heartbeat and, yeah. and fake it. So you're right. I mean, it just, again, it opens up a door that's completely unnecessary. What's the and problem here? It takes here part of the and, major enjoyment out of the game that we love yeah, and watch him yeah. hit far. What's the problem and what do we win if this whole scheme is successful? I think both those questions are the key questions, and I think the arguments in favor of it are not just exceptionally weak. I think they're really terrible arguments. But They're lies, actually. We'll see. Ooh, lies. Yeah, they're lies. They lie and say parody and, you know, water. 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 You're like you're like Gary Player. What a water. All the water for the trees. It, the trees cost so much water. Yeah. <laughs> That's their fight. Oh, Keep God. fighting it. All right. So how was your day at the players' championship last summer? It was you know what, Zave, unfortunately I I I went there the next day actually. The uh, the day I got down here, I just wasn't physically there oh, okay. to be able to go over there. So, but did you go uh, over the next the day to take a look yeah, at it? Yeah, the next day I went. I, every time I'm down in Ponte Vedra, where my sister-in-law lives, I go to the players. Did I mean, you, I go to TPC Sawgrass. And you didn't play it, obviously. No, you I just to go see it. I just roam around okay. and look for my retirement home. Nice. Um, did you watch the tournament? Oh yeah, Scotty Scheffler yeah. pretty much lapped the field. Yeah, yeah. He and, is uh, he is on another special. level right now, isn't he? Yeah, and I keep on thinking about it because, you know, we're, we're waiting for that, that dominant player. Again, like we, we think that there's going to be another Tiger Woods, which there probably won't be. But if you take a look at the history of Scheffler as a junior golfer, he's as close to that performance level oh. of winning everything as Tiger was. Oh, so he ran the table. There's a chance. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, he his winning percentage as a junior is ridiculous. Right. And in theory, he's playing against those same people. So... You know, and there wasn't from Tiger to to Rory. Let's just say that gapping age-wise, there wasn't a dominant player, really, right? right? So he's not playing against someone who's already established, who's who's that dominant, and the younger players are who he were he was playing against his peers. So he's beaten all them already as junior, and he's better than him still. So is there a chance? that he could start to run off multiple, multiple victories in a short period of time. Yeah. It's very possible. Yeah, and I think a huge part of his dominance right now and his success is who he is. I jokingly call him Big Bible, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful yep. way, but I mean it as a compliment. He's a big dude, and he is humble, and he is simple. Yeah. And it, it, it provides for him, I think, John, this incredible blanket of peace out on the golf course and acceptance you know there's a lot of golfers a lot of athletes who are who are very faithful and uh religious and prayer groups and you know all that other stuff but i think there's something about scheffler beyond just his faith i think there's a, a family element that is so grounded i think his wife is a wonderful grounding element for him and they seem like a beautiful young husband and wife couple I think that gives him a huge edge because he's not into all the trappings of a lot of these guys, the yeah. entourages and the psychologists and the swing coaches. Thank God nobody ever tried to iron out that foot shuffle of his. You know, right, right, because it's, it's working. You know, I could talk. I could talk a long time on this, but to have something to believe in, I don't care what religion it is or whatever, that there's there's kind of a higher power, and and maybe we're all put on this earth to do something. 
And I think he's accepted the fact that he was put on this earth to play golf and to entertain people in playing golf and to supply his family with, with the means necessary to, to make an impact on other people's lives. And I say this to other people who are somewhat religious about what they do in life, that there's a certain amount of grace that you would hope that you get if you live your life a certain way. But all that grace has to be earned. So someone like Scheffler is working his butt off to earn that grace religiously that he thinks he's going to get. Because when he gets it, he's going to touch the lives of other people. So he takes it as a responsibility, not just a security blanket, but a responsibility to work hard so that he can touch the lives of other people. That's a great place to be in mentally. Um, eventually, you know, your, your, your skills will decline and then you have to accept that that's going to happen, but you're right. It's a, it's a sense of peace that he has through a, you know, a higher power. And you're right. His wife's unbelievable. Um, that yeah. whole master story that we told on the air is just, it's fascinating. Yeah. He's a, uh, you have yeah. no control over this. Don't sit here and cry on the bed because you're leading and you're all nerved up. You have no control over this. Right. This is in God's hands. Now step back and say, really? Kidding? And he's a, he's a grinder too. Spieth talked yeah. about that this week in his presser. And he said, look, everyone thinks it's just so easy. He's a natural. No, he's a grinder about that. And it was asked about how after the third round of the players, he was out on the range till dark. And a reporter teed him up with a question to sort of let him, you know, humble brag about, you know, I got to keep getting better. And his response was perfect. It was very genuinely humble. He said, I hit like 10 balls. <laughs> that's great. And I'm that's like, great. that's so beautiful. He, he dismissed it without any malice by saying, I hit 10 balls. Let's yeah. not get carried away. All <laughs> right. right. Uh, best story at the players, and then I'm going to remand some time to you for five minutes to speak about whatever you want, so let that percolate through your head here. But I've got one yeah. more thing from the players that I thought was really cool. Aaron Rye, who had a hole-in-one on 17. Apparently, two, two gloves. <laughs> two gloves. Two gloves and <laughs> iron covers. Yes. Yes. Okay, now iron covers, as everyone knows who plays golf, are one of the great enduring punchlines of the sport. In yeah. fact, club pro guy likes to joke about people with iron covers all the time. And, you know, iron covers, for those who are casual fans just hooking into today's broadcast, let me explain it. Irons in golf are meant to be clacked around and hit off the ground, and you're going to hit a rock, you're going to scrape it off of stuff. It's never going to be perfect looking your irons. So it's kind of pointless to have iron covers. Plus, they're clumsy and they get in the way. Okay. Having said that, no tour pros have iron covers, even though they wouldn't have to touch them. Their caddy would have to deal with them, right? Mm -hmm. But Aaron Rye has head covers, iron covers, for one reason. When he was growing up, his family did not have a lot of money. And his father instilled in him the principle and the discipline of take care of your equipment. Treat it as precious. And he had iron covers growing up as a kid. And he said, you know what? Having iron covers on tour, sure, some people may laugh. Some people in the gallery may snicker. But it reminds me of what my father taught me many years ago. And I said, that yeah. is chef's kiss perfect. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um you know, my biggest take was, first of all, I was very surprised at who was playing in the Tournament Players Championship. There were people that I had no idea who they even were. And then you start to get a couple backstories of, like, Griffin. I think it's Griffin or Griffith. Ben who Griffin. quit. And then K 
came back, you know, the fight to get back and to play in the Players' Championship, and he's trying to earn his card. I think Rye was in a, a little bit of that same boat where, like, this could make him earn his tour card for the future. Um, the Ramey, and, you know, who's leading after the second day. And these guys, again, I don't know quite how they got into the tournament because it's such a huge tournament, but these guys are actually playing for their their PGA Tour card in the future. Um and to go down that gauntlet of 16, 17, and 18 with not just a tournament kind of on your mind, and at the end they weren't in it, but the first couple of days, but also like, I got to make this cut because I got a chance to keep my tour card if I can play well at the players because the money level and all the other stuff is so high. I, I just thought those backstories were unbelievable. And then, you know, Spieth hitting the Marine with the ball and all the other things that you hear every single week on the PGA Tour. And I just think that's why, you know, you got 120 players all playing the same game, think of it, at the same time, there's bound to be some great stories that come out. And the more you push into it, I think the more you see just the humanity and the stories are just fascinating on this on this game because it's still play for pay. Yeah. I believe David Lingmurth made the field, and he had been ranked like 222 in the world. I don't know how he got in. Yeah. Lingmurth, of course, won the Memorial Jacks tournament years ago. And kind of fell off the earth, and you're like, oh, he still golfs, huh? And a lot Jerry of these Kelly guys, plays yeah, Jerry Kelly, right? I played with oldest, him in college. <laughs> oldest I guy, with Jerry Kelly, every week in college. Oldest guy to make the cut yeah. at the players at 56. Funny that a guy wearing a Colo Guard sponsored hat <laughs> right. would be hanging in there with all the young guys. Yeah, Hell, Terrell Haddon had a great uh, weekend. Right. And he actually smiled on the course, which was quite remarkable for a guy who's known as a volcano, yeah. and said he loves the course. When most tour pros, they're like, eh, yeah. not so much. He loves this the was... course for now. Well, I, I mean, guess so. He, is, he made he, a lot of money. He's a mess, Abe. That <laughs> guy he is. is a mess. <laughs> but you want personalities like that. You like having guys like that. I wouldn't want to play with him. Because I don't know what he's talking to his putter and all the other stuff, but he's a mess. But it's fun to watch. He is. All right. And it was so, crazy because uh, I was telling the guy, I was playing, I was watching with my brother-in-law who doesn't play golf. And I was like, watch this guy. This guy's a mess. When he misses his putt, he's a mess. Well, he didn't miss a putt for the last six holes. Right. And I even had my brother-in-law watching him the whole time going, uh, he, 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 just so you know, he, he had missed miss a putt here. So I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That's hilarious. All right. Mr. Ronas, enjoy the rest of your Florida getaway, and we will Certainly reconvene will. next week on another edition of the Capital Golf Gang. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Abe. See you. Coming up on the Capital Golf Gang, Kevin Van Valkenburg, the executive editor of No Laying Up, and also formerly of ESPN. He'll play a quick nine with me, and we will see how he plays the course. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Stay tuned for more from the Capital Golf Gang. Today's edition of the Capital Golf Gang is being brought to you exclusively by Golfdom. All the new clubs for 2023 are available at Golfdom now. Callaway's Paradigm line, TaylorMade Stealth 2, the Ping G430, the Titleist TSR Woods, and more. Golfdom is stocking up on some great spring fashions. Come check out the latest from Peter Millar, Holderness and Bourne, RLX, 
and more, and get custom fit for a new driver or a set of irons in one of their four dedicated bays at Golfdom in Tyson's Corner. Golfdom, live the game in Tyson's, Annapolis now, and soon in Rockville. Now back to the show. are listening to the Capital Golf Gang, a foursome of men with tight pants, tighter wallets, and vanity handicaps. All right, time now in the Capital Golf Gang to welcome on Kevin Van Valkenburg, the editorial director of No Laying Up, formerly of ESPN and the Baltimore Sun. Kevin, thank you for your time today. How are you? Awesome to be All right, a quick nine. Nine topics, nine storylines, hypotheticals, or just random stuff I cooked up. Here we go. Hole number one. The Keith Mitchell T-Slam highlight is one of the all-timers. For those who have not seen it, it was right before there was a weather delay at the players last weekend. And poor Keith Mitchell hits a ball way right into some water. And as the ball is in midair, after he slammed his club into the tee box... The horn sounds and then splash. It was wham, horn, splash. The highlight was up briefly, and then the tour took it down because they tend to do that stuff. And you said you flew too close to the DMCA sun. Rest in peace. But then it got back put up again because I guess Keith Mitchell said, I'm fine with it. Is that how it worked? Yeah, apparently uh, Keith uh, was not thrilled that they took it down and sort of was joking about how they had, you know, with the Phil Mickelson thing, they had violated his media rights uh, <laughs> that he should have been able to put it up there. I think the tour just kind of default uh, yanks anything down that ends up sort of appearing on a major account because they're trying to sort of protect their product. So Casey Bannon of the Golfers Journal had seen that on uh, Every Shot Live and had sort of captured a snippet of it. But it was just like the best piece of like accidental art that I think I've ever seen on a golf course. It was really, really good. Now, do you think the tour is too restrictive in this regard? I think so. I think they could do uh, a lot better. They're always talking about promoting the game and how they could sort of bring new eyeballs into it. And this is the exact kind of thing that was appearing in like non-golf fans, uh, sort of, you know, group texts and stuff. And so I think that, you know, what the NBA and the NFL has realized is that it all sort of just helps bring eyeballs into your game and I think golf has to sort of you know realize that while they can talk to their partners basically their corporate partners and say like this is good for you this is going to be more people are watching golf on Saturdays and Sundays if you don't throw a tantrum about this kind of stuff because it's going to appear anyway like they can't police every single right tracker account and stuff and Instagram things so they might as well you know not police just the big ones, but like should have let the people who actually cover the game for a living kind of share this sort of yeah. stuff. Uh, Google Keith Mitchell T-Slam. You'll probably see it. It's absolutely beautiful. Hole number two, the case for bifurcation with the golf ball and the case against it. Go. Uh, I think the case for it is probably where I land in the sense of they needed to do something to sort of stop the kind of never-ending distance race from basically never stopping. I mean, at, at what point does the old course become like Prestwick golf course, a course that used to be a huge part of the open rota and now can't be played because the hitters are just too long. They'd be driving greens and it would just be like chipping contests from the front of every green. (laughs) So I think the case against it is probably a little more complicated in that 
you know, equipment manufacturers have dumped, you know, millions and billions of dollars into the, you know, sort of R&D of how to make a better golf ball. And there is some, I guess, argument to sort of say we're all better off if if I can hit the same sort of ball that Tiger Woods is hitting, I can walk into the store and buy it. But I think that that argument rings a little bit hollow because it's sort of mostly built on ego. There's not actually like, I'm never going to hit a ball like Tiger Woods. So this idea that, you know, I'm upping myself to the challenge of doing so is sort of a false narrative that has essentially been used to kind of sell me equipment for a long time. I get the equipments and the players, the equipment manufacturers and the players, you know, concerns about it. But I think that the, they need to step back and see what's sort of good for the larger sort of uh, focus of the game. All right, hole number three. It's 2026. Where will the live tour be? Uh, I think there's a chance that it will be totally gone, but I think there's also a chance that it will be sort of limping along uh, and sort of, I guess, moving forward just out of kind of stubborn pride of people <laughs> with so much money that the they don't – ever have to say no to someone. But I, I think the most likely scenario is probably that um, the the kingdom of Saudi Arabia has sort of realized that this is not beneficial to their uh, interests, that it's not exactly doing what they wanted. And they certainly don't want to th- potentially lose their investments in soccer, uh, which is a big sort of part of this. And that um, they had to kind of guarantee when they took over Newcastle United that they wouldn't have control, the government wouldn't have control over Newcastle. Mm-hmm. And in some of the live lawsuits with the PGA Tour, they've kind of admitted at court that the the public investment fund is controlled by the government of Saudi Arabia, uh, that there isn't sort of an independent person in here, that the head of the, the PIF, Yasser Ali Ramayan, is a sovereign entity uh, who's part of the government. And so I think that their most likely scenario is that they walk away from live to protect their, uh, much more lucrative investment in Newcastle. All right. Hole number four, you are sentenced Kevin to life to wear nothing but either joggers plus fours <laughs> or John Stockton, super tight shorts for the rest of your life on every wow. round of golf you play. Which Gosh. do you choose of those three unthinkable sentences? That is a great question. I guess I would – I mean, I'm a big guy, so I don't know that joggers would would look Fit great you? on me, but they might be the most comfortable option. Right. I guess uh, you just have to kind of be looking at my ankles for the rest of life, uh, all the people in my foursome. So I would probably go with that one. All right. Hole number five. Would 13 at Augusta be better as a par four? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that what I kind of come down there is like it's it's essentially a par four and a half, which was part of like Alistair McKenzie's design there. If you make a three there, you are you know racing up the leaderboard. If you make a four there, you're kind of holding uh, your position with a lot of people because most people are going to make four. Mm-hmm. And if you make a five, you're losing a stroke to that. And if you make a six, you're really screwed. So right. I think that par doesn't matter so much as – what that second shot asks of you. I think the second shot should be what sort of McKenzie called a momentous decision. I think it was Bobby Jones that said that. A momentous decision uh, that either, you know, potentially puts you in the creek or puts you up by the flowers, but could, like in the case of, you know, many people before, like start jumpstart an eagle that makes you race through the back nine and, and make a sort of run at the tro- at the jerry jacket. Yeah. I hear that uh, Rory in damp, cool conditions hit driver five iron two days in a row from the back back team from the back the new back teams Mm. yes he told that to chris solomon our 
uh, sort of lead uh, podcast uh, person. And um, I think, you know, who knows how it will play on tournament days, but I think that that sort of shows that even moving back, you know, so this distance stuff just isn't really going to affect uh, some of the longest players. And the longest players who are throwing in from about, they're probably going to benefit from the rollback in some ways because yeah. they're still going to have a mid iron, whereas like some of the, you know, shorter hitters are going to have three wood. Yeah, it's going to give Gabe Brewer hell, but I don't think it's going <laughs> to affect Rory too much. Uh, hole number six, grade the new CBS announced team with now what, one year under their belt, or is it already two years now under their belt? Uh, I think it's essentially like a year and a half Okay, they sort of started uh, in the fall. I like it. I think CBS has made huge strides uh, in the last, I would say, three or four years. I think it helps that they've gotten younger. I think that, um, you know, some of the stuff that they're, uh, the on-course commentary stuff has been really good. I like Colt. I like Smiley. Uh, I like, you know, all the people who, that they've sort of added to their team. Nance is still like a consummate professional. Um, How about I, Trevor Immelman? Yeah, Trevor, I think is awesome. I think Trevor is a, is an upgrade over Nick, and uh, I think maybe just some of it was just kind of growing weary of Nick's voice over the years. And mm -hmm. I think Trevor asks really good questions uh, when they do the walk and talks with players. And so, I'm how good is that? Something. By the way, I love the walk and talk. It's really good, especially for golf nerds like us. Where mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you if you ask Colin Morikawa about his life, it's not going to be particularly interesting because he's not going to give you anything. But if you have to ask Colin Morikawa about golf. And he can really sort of expand on that and give you some insight into stuff that you can't get anywhere else. So I, I'm all for asking golfers to explain golf because when you do that, they really open up and shine in a lot of ways. Hole number seven, the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club will be blank. Uh, I think it will be fascinating because this is a course that 99.9% .9 of people have never seen before. LA country club is one of the most closed off, uh, courses, uh, basically in the entire country, uh, even, you know, way more so than like private places like Augusta or Cyprus, or, I mean, you can't bring phones on the property. We've never really, other than, you know, some people who've been allowed to like take drone shots and stuff there recently in the last few years as a sort of preview for it. We've never seen a lot of the holes and you know, it's a, George Thomas design, so it's a lot like Riviera. Riviera is always like one of the most fun tournaments of the year. Uh, so I think that you know people like who we saw play well at Riviera, like John Rahm and Max Homa. They're going to be people who are right in the mix. And you throw in like a Cam Smith or Dustin Johnson um, from Live stuff, or that's going to be a fascinating storyline too of how well the Live players do in majors this year. I'm excited for it. Yeah, it is a it is a recluse. It is a rare gem of a course i was lucky enough kevin to play it but it was mm. so long ago on a weird sort of hookup way yeah. before cell phones or cameras or anything so i have no digital assets i just have warm <laughs> memories yeah, of sorry. i can't believe a guy invited me to come play it but it's going to be really cool because it's like the pine valley of la mm -hmm. where it just has not been seen nobody knows yeah. much about it hole number eight what is the one popular golf accessory or fad that you, Kevin Van Valkenburg, will draw the line on and say, I am not doing that. Huh. <laughs> uh, do you know what trestle sticks are? No, what's a trestle stick? <laughs> trestle sticks are these things that they, if you have a bag that doesn't have um, like legs on it, so there's a stand, that there's this like essentially um, these two sticks that are sort of, uh, I guess, like have a screw in between them in the middle that you can 
put out like an X and you can sit on the ground and it will prop your bag up. Uh, they're very sort of, um, I don't know, very popular, but they're popular in like the kind of like hipster bespoke uh, golf community. And it just seems to me like adding a completely unnecessary step. Like if you want to have a bag that doesn't have legs on it, that just lays on the ground, that's great. Then lay it except, on the ground. Except that it's going to get a little wet. Uh, don't <laughs> right. Sort of, you know, have to add another step or another accessory that you pull out of your bag and then construct like an erector set and then prop your bag up on it. <laughs> That is weird. Trestle sticks. All right. Finally, hole number nine. The pimento cheese sandwich is grossly overrated. Change my mind. Uh, I will not change your mind because I agree. Uh, (laughs) I know that some of my southern friends find this to be um, a terrible take. But I am a big fan of the chicken sandwich at Augusta National. I'm super excited this year to go back uh, to the Masters for the first time in three years and have that chicken sandwich because... I find it to be delicious, and I find the pimento cheese. I will basically. I went to the Masters three years in a row. I ate a pimento cheese each year, one time, just to sort of see, like, has my opinion changed at all? Uh, and it had not. It was. I still found it to be not very, uh, not very edible. And the chicken sandwich comes in at a whopping how much in cost? Uh, like two dollars. Two dollars. Unbelievable. Incredibly yeah. tasty. All right, Kevin. Thanks for uh, playing our quick nine today. Great to hook up with you. No laying up. If anyone out there is unfamiliar with uh, the boys and their podcast and their social media, do check it out. I know everyone probably does, but thank you for your time, brother. You betcha. You are listening to The Capital Golf Gang, Washington, D.C.'s radio golf authority for over 15 years. Today's edition of the Capital Golf Gang is being brought to you exclusively by Golfdom. All the new clubs for 2023 are available at Golfdom now. Callaway's Paradigm line, TaylorMade Stealth 2, the Ping G430, the Titleist TSR Woods, and more. Golfdom is stocking up on some great spring fashions. Come check out the latest from Peter Millar, Holderness and Bourne, RLX, and more, and get custom fit for a new driver or a set of irons in one of their four dedicated bays at Golfdom in Tyson's Corner. Golfdom, live the game in Tyson's, Annapolis now, and soon in Rockville. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who will knock your lights out if you dare to ask for a gluten-free hot dog at the turn. Hey, look who has rolled in to the Capital Golf Gang this week. Buddy Christensen of Golfdom, who joins us now to get a set for the equipment. Bonanza, that is springtime. How are people filing into the store? Are they coming in like, like the faithful every spring to say, need more equipment absolutely yeah no we've gotten off to a good start i would say the weather was outstanding uh for our type of january february um so we had a lot of traffic from that a lot of very good product coming out and then uh you know it's been kind of cold and i know you've been out of town for the last couple weeks but it hasn't been beautiful here the last couple weeks tomorrow's gonna be well thursday i should say right it's gonna be awesome correct um so we should have a good couple of days, and it looks like a little bit cooler here for a while, and then we should be really rolling here come come uh, late March into April. 
All right, so what are some of the headlines in the equipment game for 2023? Uh, from the big, big manufacturers, Callaway, Titleist, Ping, uh, et cetera. Yeah, so, so the big big drivers are TaylorMade Callaway coming out, and they've come out with their their new product, um, Stealth 2, from TaylorMade and Paradigm from Callaway. They're both off to very, very good starts. Um, Ping G430 came out. It's been... Uh, their cadence would have been last summer coming out with that product, so they're about six months behind from their normal uh, cycle. So there's some pent-up demand for that. All three of those are off to very good starts. TSR, I know you love your uh, oh TSR. My God, yeah. Um, that came out in the fall, so we're in the first, you know, preseason with it. But really, it's been out for for a longer time than the other other big four. Um, you know, so all all four are raring to go. The the product really does look great this year. Um, each each one of those, all of those have multiple models within those models where they can dial it in for for each individual uh, type of player. So if there's somebody coming in saying, you know what, I'm not wedded to one brand, but I'm overwhelmed with all the choices. What's the first consideration you would say? in terms of what clubs you want to play. Because I always tell people, I'm not sure if this is right or wrong, I say, you got to have something that you like looking at. Yes. Like it, and you know, I, yeah. Right. And I would say that that's a starting point. And, and walking through with, with um, our sales staff, as they talk to a, a customer, um, they, may, they may not think they like Callaway or TaylorMade, but once you get them talking a little bit, you may discover they actually do. Uh, have a preference for brand doesn't mean that that's where they're going to go, but that's that's you know a starting point. Right. Um, the look of it certainly, um, and then when you get back in and hitting a little bit, the feel can kind of quickly uh, validate that or or kind of you know move you towards something else. So right. you you don't want to get overwhelmed with too many choices. You can pretty much look at you know two or three or four and kind of say, all right, these couple are out already. These are the ones we're going to concentrate on. Yeah, look first, then feel, and sound if you're particular about how something sounds. But it should be noted that the sound you're going to hear in a fitting bay is not what you're going to hear outdoors on God's green earth. So That's it, true. Yeah. And, so and, but also sound don't judge is... Too, don't judge too much on sound when you're in there getting fit. But part of it, sound is feel. So at oh, some really? point... It is so as you and with putters, it'll it'll be um, pretty prevalent. Where if you hit putts with a putter, you're like, this feels really soft to me. And a lot of times, it's that sound that's coming off of that, and and it'll go back and forth. Sometimes people want it, you know, with an insert and then without, and they go back and forth. So, but sound does play into it from that standpoint. Maybe you're not thinking about it, but it does play into that thought of okay this this feels good to me and part of that is liking that sound so um that that'll happen naturally um but you're right it it, do, it might sound a little bit differently in the the uh the bays but the other aspect we you didn't touch on right there is the fact that it's the numbers too so those numbers well, dictate it yeah that's the next level right there so all right, uh, let's talk the golf ball. Uh, me and John Ronas just eviscerated this whole bifurcation. We are firmly against it on many levels, 
If you are for it, I will not berate or argue with you here, but I would like to hear your stance on it and your argument. I know the manufacturers already have said, we no likey. What are your no. thoughts? No, they don't like it. Um, you know, my thoughts are um, the general census is nobody likes it. I mean, as a retailer, we want the best for everybody. I, I just think back to some of the things that they've um, rolled back, the, the square grooves, the, uh, the wedges, um, and ultimately those things did not change the tour player, but they changed the everyday player. Um, here, at least they're looking at it and saying, okay, the elite player is going to have to deal with this quote-unquote rollback. Um, but when you start peeling it back and thinking these manufacturers now would have to make the best golf ball they can for these 1% people and then make the best golf ball for the 99% public, that's tough too. And I don't, I think the public would suffer at that point. So even though it's not directed to them, they're, they're playing into it. So ultimately I'm not for it. I don't think it's a horrendous idiotic idea that they're even looking at it um you know the, the titleist came out and said that it's a solution to a problem that they're searching for or something along yeah, those lines right. um i don't know that it's that bad and you know thinking back when we grew up playing golf right we if we were looking to hit the ball longer all we were trying to do was you know, generate more club head speed by swinging differently or, or, but it wasn't like, let me take this shaft and, and try playing with a, a lighter weight shaft, a heavier shaft. Let me do a draw bias head versus whatever. Right. I mean, we right. just didn't have those options. So, so even as everyday golfers, we can, we can fine tune our own golf abilities. Um, and certainly these guys can. So, you know, from that standpoint, I, to me, it would be step one in bifurcation of, of other things. And I that's think what that's I worry where, about. yeah, and that's where the worry would, should be. And, and then at that point, you've gone beyond, you know, just rolling back this golf ball. Yeah, I think you're, uh, you're dancing on a very slippery slope once you do that. So we'll see what happens. All right, on the apparel front, exit question here for today. Uh, how's your jogger sales going? Because, boy, all I get in my group texts with my golf buddies is absolute visceral hatred of the jogger trend on the PGA I, Tour. I do not like I don't like the hoodie trend. I got one on right now. I like wearing one around the, the house. house and, and but not on out. the course. Right. But not on the course. I, don't, I think that, that, to me, is tough. But I will take that over the joggers for sure. <laughs> what about a guy um, who wears joggers and a hoodie? I mean, you're setting all kinds of trends at that point. My, roll the golf ball back for that guy is what I said. <laughs> roll um, his clothes back. <laughs> so, but you exactly. do sell them. I bet you we, sell them in your fine store. We do. And, and you know, uh, but joggers, I, we do not have that many. And I don't know that that feels like that's really taking. Going hold. anywhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it was popping up there a few years ago. And it just feels like it's still there. But, yeah, definitely uh, what a couple of the guys on Sundays have, have uh, worn them, and they stand out pretty pretty, yeah. uh, <laughs> pretty much evidently. Yep. Yeah. Gol Golfdom in Tyson's Corner, which is our home. We're going to get our first uh, in-store show here next week as I'm back from traveling. And you now have a store in Annapolis, and you're going to open one shortly in Rockville. 
right? Correct. Yes. No, we renamed, um, we had, uh, bought a store, uh, Duke's Golf in Annapolis. So we've renovated it, changed the name to Golfdom Annapolis uh, just recently. And we're working, got our permit, doing a build out, uh, working on our, our Rockville location that should be open uh, by late April. Okay, very nice. Well, we look forward to being in. Buddy, as always, a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you in person here very soon. And there it is, one more edition of the Capital Golf Gang in the books. Thank you so much to Buddy Christensen and the team at Golfdom in Tyson's Corner and Annapolis and soon in Rockville for sponsoring this program. Thank you to WJFK for airing it. Have yourself a great weekend in golf. Get out there and play. Spring is coming and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.